If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Vaccinating against rubella doesn't actually help with congenital rubella syndrome. So if it did, there, there might potentially be an argument for a grave cause, but it doesn't. And that's what we kind of see over and over and over again with these aborted fetal vaccines is that, that they're not, not only are they questionably moral and, and obviously evil in their origins, but there's, there's not grave cause that they're being used for. We're vaccinating for chickenpox with aborted fetal cells. Chickenpox doesn't kill people unless you're too old to contract it. And the reason that people are contracting it in their, in their late teens, early 20s, when it's actually dangerous, is because we started vaccinating for it. Of course. So we've actually caused a grave problem by vaccinating the individual measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines. And so you now can only receive an, M- an MMR in, in the United States, uh, that's, that's all you can get. And in other countries as well, I think it's true. I, I'm most familiar with what's available in the U S but you can only get these three dosed at the same time. This means that as a Catholic, you cannot morally vaccinate your child for any of these three diseases because the vaccine is produced in aborted fetal cells and the virus that the vaccine uses was obtained from aborted fetal tissue. So there are approximately 99 abortions involved altogether to make the cell line and to produce the virus. Um, most people don't realize that. Uh, they they want to think of the, the abortion component as it's sort of remote. I'm not, I'm not formally participating. It's only material participation. Um, they get a little bit more co- uncomfortable when they realize it's about 100 abortions. This, this wasn't one child that died, thing that people can be pretty divided about. But, but for your heart to be able to be transplanted into someone else's body, it basically still needs to be beating when they take it out or have just ceased beating because they just killed you so they could take your heart. Um, this The same thing is true with these aborted fetal researchers. This wasn't just like, I mean, it's bad enough, right? It, it, it's, it's 100% already completely immoral um, to, to murder a little baby in the womb and take its parts out of the mother and then experiment on those parts. These babies were often actually removed via C-section, still living, so that then their tissue could be experimented on so it would be sufficiently fresh and undamaged. Um, And sometimes they were being dissected, basically, with their hearts still beating. Um, This is, I mean, this isn't just immoral. This is utterly satanic. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's beyond barbaric. It's, it is, as you said, satanic, it's demonic. I, I think I can't help but everyone can probably imagine they've seen the image, the famous image of a C-section baby coming out all in, in this, in the sack, you know, this is a live birth is what this is. This is a live yeah. birth. Yeah. And if the heart is beating and you are cutting into the baby, 
for yeah. what? The concentration of, of human fetal DNA that's present mm -hmm. in these in these vaccines, especially, I mean, the chickenpox vaccine has more aborted fetal DNA in it than it has active ingredient for the chickenpox. Like it's, it's a little bizarre. Um, so the concentration of DNA that's present in these vaccines is, is more than sufficient for this homologous recombination to occur. And it could explain why, um, because scientists are, are struggling to figure out because there seems to be an environmental component to autism, but there also seems to be a genetic component to it. And they're struggling to figure out why, why do some of these autistic kids have hundreds of de novo mutations that just came out of nowhere. Their parents don't have these, you know, how'd they get, how'd they get this many mutations in this, in this short amount of time? Yeah. This explains that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a reasonable biological mechanism for that. So it's not, it's, you know, and it, it makes sense, right? Mike, that, that, um, this is not a moral thing to do. It's not moral to inject, uh, a, a dead murdered baby's cellular parts into your body. Um, of course not. So there's going to be there's going to be consequences. This, this is in violation of natural law. There's going to be natural consequences to this. I think we need to understand something collectively about the enemy before we can proceed forward. I think we need to establish the foundational principle of what animates them, and that is that abortion is the highest sacrament of leftist godless philosophy. It is the primary sacrament which animates them, which unites them, which activates them. It is, you and I know this, this is not going to be one of these pro-life videos where I try to convince you that, you know, of the pro-life argument. If you're watching this, I presume you already understand the pro-life argument. What I intend to do is at least recalibrate our minds and our thinking here so that we can understand exactly what's at stake and what is driving what we're seeing in D.C., so, first of all, we have to understand collectively that abortion is the high sacrament of the left. It is a child sacrifice on the altar of Moloch in exchange for wealth, power, prosperity, and comfort. It is one of the oldest plays in the book. It is an inversion of the one true sacrifice of cavalry. And, by the way... When you talk about the left, when you, do, when you think about how they operate, they have an entire ecclesiology, they have an entire moral philosophy, they even have a, mag a magisterium. They have a mockery of the church, and I'm not just speaking of the Church of Satan, which is a direct inversion and mockery of the church, but I'm talking about leftist, modernist philosophy in general, which is a mockery of the one true faith. They have an ecclesiastical structure, they have high priests— their highest priests are medical professionals who administer their high sacrament of abortion. They have a communion of saints. Their communion of saints is both living and dead. Typically, in, in the past, it was uh, public school teachers who were always referenced in hushed tones of reverence. Today, it's also celebrities, and it includes both uh, living and, and past celebrities as well as activists. They have, they have their own form of crusaders. And their crusaders carry a uniform and a standard. The standard that they carry is the rainbow flag, or it is the equal sign. The uniform that they wear is Portland chic, and they are organized in battalions, either by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or what have you. There is an accepted orthodoxy, and, and that continues to be ruthlessly enforced in the cancel culture, in the Twitter mobs, in the social media mobs, and in the mainstream media. That is their magisterial teaching, and their magisterium can change, unlike ours. They have an entire philosophy and moral theology 
which is rooted in their godlessness. I won't necessarily go into it, but the point is, is that we need to understand that the thing that animates the left is the sacrifice of children. That is their high sacrament. That is the thing for which they will die. To the extent that you and I will die for the true sacrament on the altar, to protect the holy sacrifice of the Mass in the timeless Mass of the Ages, the Mass of the Saints, they will die for the inverse of that. They will die for a woman's so-called right to kill her baby. Nothing activates them. Nothing animates them. This is their ideology. This is the core of their being. It is the most important sacrament in the church of godless leftism. So now that we've recalibrated that, now that we understand that it is their sacrament, what does this have to do with what we're seeing in D.C.? What does this have to do with the false flag that we saw on the Feast of the Epiphany in Washington, D.C., and what we're going to continue to see uh, down the road. Okay, so breaking today. Uh, good afternoon, by the way. It's the 14th of January. Uh, Mike here with RTF. Happy to be with you. Breaking today, there will be 20,000 activated National Guardsmen in the District of Columbia for the next 30 days, and they have been authorized by their generals to use deadly force against U.S. citizens. You heard that right. 20,000. Now, for context, having served in both Iraq and Afghanistan, I was in Iraq during the drawdown. When I first got there, there were 90,000 troops. By the time I left, there were 15,000 troops. I know what 15,000 or 20,000 troops looks like. We will have more activated troops in Washington, D.C. than we had in the final phases of Operation Iraqi Freedom. There will be more active duty troops with a use of force which includes the use of deadly force. Now, I will tell you this. I know some people who have been activated, called up, or at least requested to be activated. And here's what's interesting. They have not required them, these soldiers, to requalify on their service weapons, which is something you might want to do if you're going to put someone into an active duty status. Make sure that they actually know how to use their service weapon with accuracy but they have required them to take the vaccine. So uh, here again, you can see that the sacrament that animates the left is the ripping apart of children's bodies in utero for the purpose of wealth, comfort, safety, health, etc. All the same things that pagans throughout all times and all places would make the same sacrifices to Moloch in exchange for good weather and prosperity and a good harvest. It's the same philosophy. So why DC? What does this have to do with DC? Well, I will tell you what it has to do with DC. I think that there is a short-term target and there's a long-term target. The short-term objective is to cancel the March for Life. So them calling, referring to what happened on the Feast of the Epiphany as incitement, them referring to that as a violent mob, even though they'll show you a truly violent mob uh, with Black Lives Matter or Antifa, you'll see burning buildings in the background, and CNN will call that a mostly peaceful protest. So you'll see an actual violent mob, which is, de- which is defined as mostly peaceful. Then you'll see a mostly peaceful protest of half a million people, maybe even a million people, with a couple bad actors embedded in there, we all know this, 
even CNN today and last night is admitting that there were bad actors embedded in that protest. Even CNN is saying this was not a bunch of MAGA people, right? Uh, So here we are, and we are now seeing that they are referring to it, they are labeling it, and they are calling it something that it's not. Let me show you, let me demonstrate to you. I've got two visuals for you today. The first one here is a tweet by a medical doctor. This is the tactic. This is the Gestapo tactic that they plan to use. Here she is, this medical doctor tweeting uh, in response to Lila Rose. Lila Rose says correctly that abortion is violence, and it is. It's violence, and it's the definition of violence. You're ripping apart a human being, so it's violent. Um, She says, this is violent rhetoric. Wait, so calling something that is violent, violent is itself violent rhetoric. It Quote, it is objectively false and meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics, patients, and health care providers. This is what domestic terrorism looks like. So here she is. Lee Torres, I can't read her name this far from the screen. MD, here's her tweet. This is violent rhetoric. You're not allowed to call abortion violence. Okay, this is diabolical uh, this is in reinversion, right? This is the inversion of reality. This is where they tell you that a burning building is mostly peaceful, where they tell you that a mostly peaceful is domestic terrorism. This is the, these are the word games that Big Brother uses. They are labeling you, if you are pro-life now, you will be labeled as a domestic terrorist. The whole purpose of this, the whole purpose of the D.C. incitement um, and, and even the impeachment is to convince you that being pro-life and showing up to the March for Life is an act of treason, is an act of violence, it makes you racist. They will throw everything at the book, in the book at you. Now, why do they want why do they want to cancel the March for Life? Right? Now, this is a this is an interesting question because the March for Life has continued to grow over the years. We saw the unprecedented actions of President Trump actually showing up to the March for Life, dignifying it with the presence of a U.S. president. That's never before happened. He gave a speech there. He supported it. And there really is a feeling, even the New York Times reported this last year for the last March for Life, that the feeling at the March for Life is one of triumph and confidence, confidence in our ability to overturn Roe v. Wade and end, finally, the destruction of innocent human life in this country. Now, I'll get to that in a second, and I'll get to Trump's record on being pro-life in a second, too, because we need to have a frank and earnest discussion about both of those things. But you can't argue, nobody can argue that there isn't wind in the sails of the pro-life movement with the uh, confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett and uh, and ostensibly a 6-3 majority in defense of life on the court. Now, I don't really believe that we have a 6-3 majority, and maybe I'll explain that in this video or I'll do a subsequent video. I've talked about this before on the rundown with Steve Cunningham of Census Fidelium. You guys know where I stand on that. I really don't trust her. But to the extent that she does uphold uh, the pro-life position, this is this is a good thing. And a lot of people believe, anyway, that she does. And so notwithstanding my uh, reservations about the whole thing, 
the vast majority of people in the United States who are pro-life, Catholics and evangelicals alike, do believe that the wind is in our sails. And so the March for Life in 2021 with President uh, you know, Joe Biden, who's going to be sitting in the White House scorning it, right? Uh, he's not going to show up. He's supposedly a Catholic. Uh, he won't be there because, you know, uh, it's okay now in 2021 to be anti-life and Catholic because, you know, um, certain prelates uh, approve of that, including one whose nickname is literally the African Queen. I'm not making that up. I'm not calling him a name. I'm not I'm not saying that Cardinal Gregory, uh, Wilton Gregory is, is an African Queen. He, that's the name that he chose for himself, okay? That's the name that he goes by in the Lavender Circles. You can verify this. I'm not, I'm not calling the guy a name. I'm literally using the name that he's chosen for himself, all right? Anyway, so what I want to convey today, though, is that the, that the immediate objective, the immediate objective is to stop the march for life because that will be a, a, a blow to the morale of the conservative and pro-life movement in the United States. So how do you stop the march for life? Well, you label it as a domestic terror event. You label those who show up as potential domestic terrorists, as, incite, as inciting crimes and violence, right? Now, the March for Life has never been violent. It, there's, no, there's no history, there's no record, there's nothing you can ever say about the March for Life having ever been the cause for incitement and violence against any government, any politician, any healthcare or medical worker, any clinic, and yet they don't care what the truth is. They will repeat, just like what communists do, just like what demons do, in communist and demon psychology, they repeat falsehoods into your mind so that they warp your memory and distort your cogitative powers. Um, so they don't care that that it is not largely peaceful. It's 100% peaceful, the March for Life. It's 100% peaceful. They don't care about that. They will label it as extremist, as fanatical, as fundamentalist, as racist, etc., so they want to shut down the March for Life. That would be a huge blow, too. If we can't have a March for Life, if we can This is really a rallying point because the March for Life is exactly what unites the right, for better or for worse. The March for Life is where people show up of all stripes, heretics, Protestants, Muslims, Jews, and the one true faith. We show up and we at least try to say we shouldn't be executing babies on the altar of Moloch in exchange for power, wealth, security, and comfort. They want to take that away from us, and that is what this DC thing is all about in the short term. Now, in the long term, in the long term, you absolutely know that this, has, this, has more, this is more um, uh, grievous to our cause. This, is, this has a much larger context than merely stopping one March for Life, right? Because the media can continue to ignore the March for Life. The media can continue to just pretend that it doesn't even happen. And that's fine. That's one way of suppressing it. They already control the narrative. They can kick people off Twitter. They can silence people, etc. Now, I already told you, I'm going to be critical of the March for Life as well, and I'm going to be critical of the pro-life movement, and, uh, and um, I'm going to give you an accurate assessment of the pro-life record of, of the Trump administration. I'm just telling you why they're doing what they're doing, 
Okay, I'm not, I'm, I haven't yet rendered a value judgment. I'm just saying that you, the reason why they are labeling us as domestic terrorists, the reason why they are calling for canceling of any protests in D.C., the reason why they have activated 20,000 National Guardsmen, handed them their M4 rifles, haven't required them to requalify on their service weapons, stuck them with a MAGAVAX, and authorize the use of deadly force on U.S. citizens, the reason why they're doing it, the most immediate thing, is to cancel the March for Life. That's how these two things are related. But don't fall for the false flag trap. Okay, what is a false flag? False flag is a psychological operation. Uh, it is it is a method of deceit. It is uh, derived from you know the the war fighting philosophy of Sun, Sun Tzu, the art of war. And it is it is fundamentally to convince the enemy that their obje- of what their true objective is, and to funnel them towards that objective. And it's a false flag, right? The protests that are being planned for the weekend prior to the inauguration and on the 20th, I am here to tell you those are false flags. Okay? Those are false flags. Um, they are meant to draw people. I've, look, I've seen advertisements for people, hey, show up with your, with your weapons. Let's do an armed, peaceful protest. Okay? Do not do that. Do not fall for the trap. We saw what they, the trap they laid for us, the false flag that they laid for us on the Feast of the Epiphany. And we fell for it. No, not we as in MAGA people. I'm not a MAGA person, by the way, but I'm just saying we collectively as in anti-statist, anti-socialist, anti-communist, Roman Catholics. We got bamboozled. We fell for it. Because we allowed them to embed bad actors into the crowd. And I don't care what other commentators tell you. There's a, there, look, there's a, there's a Catholic commentator that runs a huge blog, makes a full-time living off of it, and uh, thinks he's really cute by, tell, by, by having unpopular takes all the time. So he's the one saying, no, this was definitely MAGA people. These were redneck conservatives. They were the violent ones. There's a history of violence. No, there's no history of MAGA violence. There's no history of redneck conservatives showing up and, uh, and killing people, okay, and killing cops, all right? There's no history of that. There's no evidence. And even CNN, liberal CNN, agrees that there were bad actors embedded. So uh, to him, I say shame. I'm not going to name him because it's not productive and it really doesn't matter. You know who I'm talking about, though. And if you don't, then God love you, that you're better off. So the point I'm trying to make here uh, with respect to the false flag, with respect to not showing up and falling for the liberals' trap, is don't show up on Inauguration Day. Don't protest the inauguration. It, look, it is it is what it is. Right? I already told you what, what, what your vote is worth in these United States. I already told you if you think we're going to vote any differently in 2024, what your vote is actually worth in these United States. Okay. Do not bring your your AR and your carbine and your sidearm and whatever and walk around D.C. or your state capitol building or whatever and just just to be arrested, persecuted, prosecuted, uh, charged with a crime, and removed from society. Don't do that. Um, right, so the March for Life. Now, let's. can we talk about the March for Life, the pro-life movement, the Trump record on the pro-life movement, and just have a little bit of honesty about it? Can we do that? Let's do that. I want to bring up uh, another, another visual here. What you're seeing is from the Heritage Foundation. 
which is sort of a libertarian-ish, not quite Cato Institute level of libertarian, but very conservative um, think tank in Washington, D.C. A lot of, a lot of you know, highbrow Novus Ordo Catholics work for this institution. Here is the record that they pulled directly from the annual reports of Planned Parenthood. And as you can see, funding, government funding to Planned Parenthood has marched ever steadily upward over time. Year after year almost. Looks like there was one dip in 2017. Year after year, under a Trump administration, under a Republican control of the executive branch of government, where he holds the line item veto, where he can shoot down a federal budget. And by the way, in 2016, 2017, 2018, the Republicans were the majority in both houses of Congress. From 18, 19, and 20, they were the majority in the Senate. So you had Republican control, or at least partial control, of all aspects of government, and yet government funding to a Planned Parenthood has gone up and up and up for the last administration. Now, this is surely... This is undeniably a black mark on the pro-life record of Donald Trump. Many of you that look, this is an unpopular thing to say. Many of you tell me, well, Trump is the most pro-life president in American history. First of all, that's a pretty low standard because we have really not had very many pro-life presidents in American history, right? Second of all, the numbers speak for themselves. If the GOP had wanted to deprive Planned Parenthood of the money that they use to tear children apart, they could have. They could have done it. They've had plenty of opportunities to do it. And they didn't do it, and they won't do it. And I'm going to tell you exactly why they won't do it. They won't do it because what will they run on? What will they activate you on? Remember how I started the show? I told you that the one thing that activates the left, the one thing that animates them and unites them and fills them with energy and rage is their high sacrament of abortion. Well, in some ways, the inverse of that is true in American politics. In some ways, in the United States, especially in the evangelical uh, side of things, and in the Novus Ordo establishment, the politics, the American body politic, for them, rises and falls on two issues. Life and guns. That's it. That's all these people care about. Life and guns. We have seen that Planned Parenthood continues to be funded ever more steadily. We have also seen that Second Amendment rights have continued to decline ever more steadily. And yet we continue to hand the keys of power to the Republican Party, who is responsible for both of these things. The reason why the Republicans will never permanently enshrine the Second Amendment and, uh, and protect your guns, and the reason why the Republicans will never, ever outlaw Roe v. Wade or overturn it is because if they did that, they would deprive themselves of the opportunity to run on that issue, which will bring you to the polls and usher them into power. It's a hard truth, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a hard truth. The pro-life movement in the United States is a sham. It is. So, look, I've said some nice things about the March for Life, and I think it's good that people get together and they, and they demonstrate um, and they show that they stand for life. This is all fine. But I, you're not going to see me at the March for Life. 
because I see through it. I, I think it's a, all a sham. It's literally designed to electrify and to stimulate uh, uh, the, the, the right and to and and they use it. They use fear to get us into the to, to the polls and to elect these people. So um, in conclusion, I have to say, I, yeah, the Planned Parenthood is going to be more funded in the future under a Biden administration. Sure. He's going to flip on the Mexico City policy, which basically means that the U.S. will continue funding abortions around the world, which happens every time a Democrat is in the White House. And it flips back whenever the Republicans are in the White House. And this is flip floppy thing. The, the entire world knows about it. They all can. I mean, they're, they're all banking on it. They all know that the day that, that Biden is inaugurated, that he's going to flip flop on the Mexico City policy. And we will once again be underwriting abortions around the world. OK, everybody knows that. But don't fall for the false flag, is what I'm telling you. Don't fall for the, for the idea that I need to show up with my carbine and peacefully march around my state capitol building on the 20th of January because they are all out to get you, okay? It's not going to change anything if you're there or if you're not there. All right. We need to be smart. We need to not fall for false flags. We need you not to be removed from society because they will have incorrectly, but in their minds, justifiably labeled you as a domestic terrorist or as a racist or as an inciter or whatever drummed up charges they're going to they're going to come after you with. This is a hard truth, ladies and gentlemen. This is a hard truth. Okay, let me talk briefly about ACB. Briefly about ACB. Look, she's the daughter of a high-level attorney at Shell Oil. She worked on the George W. Bush twenty uh, two thousand campaign. She worked. She 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 litigated uh, his case, which was decided in the Supreme Court with the hanging chads and gave him the presidency. Okay, at the time that she graduated from Notre Dame Law School. That school, that institution, was not even a top 25 school, all right? Now, I think their ranking has climbed today, and I've got some lawyers in the chat. Maybe you can confirm that, Ray, that, they're, that they've significantly uh, grown their rankings, Notre Dame Law School, ever since then. But at the time that she graduated, it was like a, you know, it was a not exactly a pristine A-tier law school. Is she a smart lady? Yes, she is. Is she Catholic? She says she is. She's got seven kids. Some of them are adopted. It's great. But ladies and gentlemen, do you remember the Kavanaugh hearing? Do you remember the world war to replace Justice Kennedy, the so-called swing vote on the court? They trudged up Literally his high school yearbook, his high school calendar. I mean, the guy scrupulously kept notes of what he did when he was 18 years old on every single day of his life. I mean, that's a weird thing to do, um, but I'm glad that he did it. The point is, is that you saw the Lindsey Graham outburst. You saw uh, the false accusations, the drummed up charges, the media frenzy, all of that to replace a swing vote. Then RBG dies. The arch left, this is like the opportunity to fully change the court. This isn't just the swing vote. This is the chance to fully change the court. 
and she is confirmed as a footnote to the news cycle. You saw almost nothing in the news cycle. She was ushered into power. Unscathed. Unquestioned. Uncritically. Right? Now, just ask yourself, why is that? How can that be? And this happened right before the election. This happened right before the election when Democrats could have made the precise same arguments that Republicans made holding up the Merrick Garland um, hearings. And they weakly made those, those arguments, but did they really? Was it a full court press? Was it a full in earnest um, effort to stop ACB? No, it wasn't. Nobody would say that it was. Nobody would say that. She's confirmed days before a presidential election. And she even had some votes from the Dems as well, I think. I think, well, what's his name in West Virginia voted for? Maybe he didn't. Regardless, she's connected to the Bush family. She's part of the deep state. And the truth is, if you look at some of her rulings, she's never seen a lockdown she didn't love. She's never seen a mass mandate she couldn't get behind. So this is why I have a little bit of reservation about the idea, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to see Roe overturned in our lifetime by this court. This is why I have hesitation in the thought that we do supposedly have a 6-3 majority on the court. When ACB is seated with zero fanfare and zero resistance as, 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 a, as an afterthought to the evening news, then you know that something is afoot, okay? Now, I don't necessarily know what that thing is, all right? You don't have to have all the answers in order to diagnose a problem, right? If you're a doctor and somebody presents symptoms to you, you can at least rule some things out even if you can't get to a specific diagnosis immediately. So that's kind of where we are right now. We as Catholics, we as faithful Roman Catholics, we can look at the fact pattern and say, wow, to replace a swing vote on the court was World War III, the Lindsey Graham outburst to get Kavanaugh seated. But to replace the arch-liberal on the court, to change the face of the court, that was easy peasy. So that something doesn't add up about that. It stinks. It smells. And to, you know, look, besides Steve Cunningham at Census Fidelium, I am not aware of any serious, traditional, or conservative um, Catholic voice who was expressing these concerns. I'm just not aware of any. There, there weren't any. And it's not popular to say, and this isn't going to get a lot of clicks, and it's not going to get a lot of likes, because here you have a video where I'm critical of Trump and ACB, right? How many Catholics are love Trump and love ACB? Most of them do. But I don't get paid the big bucks to tell you what you want to hear. In fact, I don't get paid any big bucks for doing this. This is a hobby, so I get to tell you what I actually think. So my hat's off to my buddy Steve at Census. Uh, I don't know if he's watching or not, um, but he was one of the only ones to, uh, to come out and say, something stinks here. Something smells. And maybe it's the life issue, or maybe it's the lockdowns, or maybe it's something else that we don't even know about yet. But uh, so far, you've seen Kavanaugh 
turn against the traditional family. And uh, we're still waiting to see. The jury's still out on ACB. So that is the state of the pro-life movement today. But you have to understand that the thing that animates these people is ripping babies apart and killing them. That is the most important thing to them that they can possibly do. God bless you. Thanks for watching. Thank you.